Welcome to the Spring Hills Podcast. Today we are starting a brand new, well, we started it last week with our introduction, but we are starting the seven stages today, seven stages. Uh, so this is the Next Steps podcast for Spring Hills small group leaders. Um, although if you're not a small group leader, you'll still find a lot in this that you uh, you can apply to your own life. But over the next seven weeks, I'm going to be having a guest host takeover. I know, I know. <laughs> you didn't think that I would ever do that. Um, <laughs> I've only done this once before, Gerilyn, and that was just for the point to have Andrea and Brennan interview me. Oh my um, goodness. <laughs> so it still wasn't quite what, uh, what this, quite the same thing. But um, so Gerilyn's going to take over the hosting role. I'll still be here, but I'm going to, you know, take a back seat and be more of a producer role. Um, I do have a hard time not talking sometimes, <laughs> but maybe by stage uh, seven, I'll, I'll know how to keep my mouth shut. Um, so Gerilyn Wilson will be guest hosting and taking us through the next steps for small group leaders. So each week we're going to be hearing from Gerilyn and one of her special guests consisting of both small group leaders here at Spring Hills Church and also staff members at Spring Hills. Yeah. So today, Gerilyn, I'm, you know what? I'm going to let you introduce your special guest. Go awesome. ahead. Awesome. Well, this is Nanine, and we love having her on our small group leader team. You just wrapped up uh, your small, not wrapped up completely, but finished one week of your Revelation small group that so many ladies have really been loving and enjoying, and it's been fun to reflect with you on that. And then this past fall, uh, Nanine joined our small group for small group leaders, where we sort of took on the task of looking at these different stages together and brainstorming how to identify um, what stage somebody is in through the, the means of just having them be a member in your small group, and then how to help them take their next steps, how to prompt them towards the next stage. And so uh, today we're going to be talking about this very first stage in the spiritual maturity uh, journey, which is being a guest. And the reason that I asked Nanine here is because she has just a really uh, vivid part of her testimony where she had the experience of being a guest in a church setting. And so before we dive into that story, I just want to remind everybody that um, the first two stages of the seven stages are guest and seeker, and they are both pre-Christian stages, you might say, that, that these people have not yet committed their lives to Jesus. They have not yet affirmed that they agree that the gospel is true. Um, but a lot of times people make the big mistake of assuming that guests are seekers. So a guest is somebody who has little to no experience with God and who he is, or they are very passionately against him. They may have had bad experiences with the church or anything like that. So they have no interest in, in getting to know him or ask questions. And then a seeker is somebody who is seeking more information, seeking more understanding about God. So with that definition on the table, Nanina, I wanted to just invite you to share the story that you shared with me this fall about your experience as being a guest in, in a church setting. It was about 20 years ago, and I was newly married, been married about six months, and uh, my husband, we were living in Petaluma, asked me if, on a visit to Florida, we were getting ready to take, if I would be willing to go to church out of respect to his mom, and I said, absolutely, I would go, um, but I had no desire to go, I had no idea what that meant, and I I really wasn't interested, but I did ask him, what should I wear? <laughs> and uh, he said at that time, probably something nice. So 
It was a Sunday morning in hot, sunny Florida, and we go into this great big uh, Church of God out of Indiana in Sarasota, Florida, church, and there's a guest speaker, and I'm sitting in this pew, actually... Um, pushing back my cuticles. I'm literally doing this right now, Nanine. I'm not uh, joking. I'm just kind of going, I am looking at my nails thinking, you know, oh, I really need a manicure. And um, they have this hellfire and brimstone preacher preaching. <laughs> okay, so to give you a little bit of background, um, I'm an artist. I've been self-employed artist for 30 years. And I was at this time in my life, almost 20 years ago, I'm pretty arrogant about my art. And I have this big thing about artists who don't capture the light in their work, whether it's photography, painting, whatever. I'm really arrogant. I'm a street artist. I'm not sure what I had to be arrogant about out on the street, you know, 40 times a year selling. But um, I would walk these shows and I would be like, mm, another artist misses it. And um, okay, so that's, that, that's an important part of this story. My arrogance about light mm-hmm. and capturing it. So I'm sitting there and all of a sudden this preacher is up there and he is waving his arms around. He's kind of yelling. I'm thinking, you know, like, dude chill a little bit and all of a sudden he says something about the light and it catches my attention and I stop pushing back my cuticles and I look up and he goes on to say how light makes the darkness flee and how God is light and the most amazing thing happens to me sitting there, me, with no interest at all in this, I sit up and I take notice, and I begin to listen to what he's saying. And after about 15 minutes, I begin to shake all over. Now, this isn't going to happen to everyone. This is just what happened to me. Uh, And at that time, I had no idea what was going on, and it totally freaked me out. And I lean over to my husband, Mike, and I said, something is happening to me here. And, and um, he just looks at me and says, do I need to take you to the ER? <laughs> I said, no, no, I'm shaking all over. I don't know what it is. But I think when we get back to Petaluma, we need to find a church to go to. And he looks over at me and says, praise Jesus. And I look at him and say, what? What is going on? So uh, that was that story of that day. Um, We ended up going out to have lunch with this visiting pastor. I don't know how. His mom was very, very involved in the church. And um, I remember I was had to really be on my best behavior. But this whole time, this shaking thing is still happening. And I still, I don't, I can't say anything to anyone except to Mike. And um, little did I know that this is what Mike had been praying for, even though I did not know that he prayed. He never Mm -hmm. told me. He kept it secret. He did not go to church. He had walked away from his faith for 25 years. And, uh, 
that's that story. So good, Nanine. I think that helps me just so often when I've been talking to other people about the guest stage, just imagine what it would have been like to be sitting in church with literally just no interest. People sometimes just assume everybody's there to come and experience the sermon and get to know people and stuff like that. But yeah, they're more, it's more often than I think we're aware that someone's there because they're pleasing their mother-in-law or because they just didn't want to create a wave in the, in the family events of that weekend or whatever. But I think it's, it's really cool because you're part of your story is so unique in that you went from a guest stage to basically a new believer stage in almost an instant, which is so, so beautiful. But I also love it helps me visualize uh, for some people who spend a longer amount of time in the in the guest stage in the church, um, what it might be like for them and how the way that we treat them and interact with them could be either very helpful or maybe in some cases harmful to their ability to become seekers or new believers like you did. And so the first thing I guess I wanted us to discuss like we did in our small group before is how do you identify um, a guest? Like what are little things that maybe as a small group leader, if you had uh, someone that you eventually were like, oh, I think they're in actually a guest stage, not a seeker stage. What kinds of things would indicate that to us um, as small group leaders as we're interacting with people, do you think? Well, hopefully they're willing to uh, ask some questions sure. and not be shamed by these questions they don't have an answer to. And I think that we as small group leaders can encourage that by telling from the very get-go, first, everything shared in small group stays in small group. That's good. Okay, it doesn't go outside of that. And the other thing would be, too, is uh, just to foster that, to say, um, never be afraid to ask a question. There's no wrong question here. And then as small group leader... (laughs) to be in prayer all the time, even when your mouth is moving, uh, that uh, if someone has a question that God would, the Holy Spirit would give us the ability to give an answer that is, uh, you know, not a put down or like, oh man, Mm -hmm. that's stupid or whatever, an answer to them that is straight from the Spirit out of our mouth to them. Yeah, that's good. To identify them, that's a, usually, hopefully, they identify themselves right from the get-go. I find that uh, most people want to let you know, hey, I'm here. Not because I want to be. Right. I didn't want to say not because, but I mean, like, who joins Revelation and, you know, doesn't want to be there. But actually, I'm thinking of someone who I think is a fairly new believer in this, in, in my class, the second go around. Um, they You're usually right, identify themselves. They want you to know who they are. Right. Depending on their personality, a lot of them, there's not something they're necessarily ashamed of. And they're just even out of courtesy being like, honestly, I'm just here for the golf. You know, yeah. like this isn't, it's cool that we have the little spiritual time with this small group, but I just want to make friends and get to know you. And then also the people who might feel like you said, creating a safe space to ask Mm -hmm. scary questions. Um, People who aren't even asking questions yet, depending on their personality might kind of just fly Mm -hmm. covert the whole time. Mm -hmm. So I think we, we talked a little bit this uh, fall about how important it is to create space for people to share their story and for you to share your story and sort of just start to get to know 
people because the, I think the most important thing is just that we don't assume anything. Just don't assume that somebody is a believer or that they're actively seeking God. Wait until you have the indication that that's happening or maybe wait until someone is like, yeah, on, I mean, just being honest, I have no interest in the Bible stuff. I'm just here to to hang out and have a good time type of thing. And a lot of times those people, you just, when you guys have been talking about this, those people, sometimes they say, I don't have any interest in this. That doesn't close the door to a relationship with that person. Right, right. Which, um, I mean, I've seen it happen in the past too, where I form a friendship with somebody and it could be years before they actually even come to church again or something. But, you know, I play basketball with them now or something. And I just, um, Nanine, you're talking about light. Well, we want to be that light to people, right? And right. so you can be a light to that person, even if you're only, uh, even if they're only at church once. But I mean, you still build a relationship with these people mm-hmm. because you don't want to give up on them becoming a seeker. Mm-hmm. Um, you might have identified that they're a guest and that they, yeah, I'm here because my mother-in-law mm-hmm. uh, really wanted everybody to be here for Mother's Day or whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. And but you know, I'm really bummed that I'm missing the football game, whatever mm-hmm. is happening. And then you you kind of like, oh, you like football, like mm-hmm. you know, and then there's the, you start a you start a friendship with this person or whatever, totally. um, which I think also speaking to small groups is there's a lot of small groups that are very hobby based. And sometimes that's a way that you can get these guests to become a seeker is by bringing them into this safe space where it's like, I mean, at a basketball group where I had half the group, they're non, they're, they're guests, they're totally. non-Christians. Some of them had never gone to church until they joined our group because of a friend. And then we'd invite them to church every week. And a couple of them came, you know, during the, the Easter, the small group year, you know, the spring year, mm-hmm. uh, Easter time or whatever, they come to church and they check it out. And that guest is still there just to, you know, whether it be nice to the person that invited them or whatever, but the, the totally. seeds could be planted there. And I think it sets understanding that this stage exists, sets small group leaders up to not feel discouraged. Cause I think we have this idea sometimes as small group leaders that if we get somebody into our group and we realize they're not Christians yet, that success or failure for us as a leader is whether or not they become a Christian within I our small group semester. Yeah. I got thirty, And then they think of it as a failure if that person is still in their stage. But really for people who are in the guest stage, you know, apart from a really miraculous thing that, that happens like in your story, Nanine, which obviously so many seeds laid the groundwork for that. Oh, uh, you yeah. know, so ma- I love just other parts of your story that I know too, that laid the groundwork for that. But a, a leader could be a part of that laying of seeds where they, you know, just accepted and like Garrett's saying became friends with somebody who is in a guest stage so that guest learns okay this person loves God and is okay with spending time with me even though I very clearly don't or I don't even think he exists or whatever right and I think in my role uh, honestly that God has put me in is a planter of seeds yes. I I have not really been blessed to you know go out and make disciples of the nations but I know that um, I can look back at all the seeds that I have laid down not even knowing if anybody would you know if it would grow but just just putting it out there and hey whatever and then down the line sometimes finding out that 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 uh, it did happen and sometimes it didn't. Yeah. And, uh, but I just feel like that's what, um, and it's not a cop out. I just think that's where God has placed me and that's, yeah. and that's what I do. That's good. That's so. good. There was, I, I, there was a, I mean, I grew up as uh, a pastor's kid. So I grew up in church, had right. the gospel shared with me constantly growing up. Um, well, I mean, I was, I accepted Christ as a kid 
Um, but didn't, didn't become super serious about my faith until later on. And the seed that was planted for me was there's a, a guy at our church that happened to be the mayor of, uh, the, our town. And it's, I mean, it's a larger town, 90,000 people or so. And I was graduating eighth grade with a thousand kids and he's at the graduation cause he's the mayor. But <laughs> as the kids are walking up, they're each getting handed their little, you know, whatever the eighth grade equivalent of a diploma is, uh, their little folder or whatever it is. And, you know, they're, they've got up there the dean of students and the principal and they're handing the things. When I get up there, Kurt took, made the principal step aside and he handed it to me. Now I knew Kurt, but I didn't know him that well. He barely remembers this. But five years later, or six years later or something, I'm uh, I'm at his house because I'm friends with his kids. Um, I'm at his house hanging out and I was in a spot in my life where I'm just like, I'm making bad choices, nothing too, too bad, but I need to get my life together before Mm -hmm. it does get too bad. And I went to him in the kitchen. I said, Kurt, can I talk to you for a minute? Mm -hmm. And, uh, ended up, Kurt became a very good friend of mine, a mentor. And I shared with him, I'm like the, the, you stepping, stepping up to hand me that was something that I just thought, like, I want to be like that guy. Mm -hmm. And so Kurt's always been this guy in my life that I've like looked to, to be, uh, I mean, just as like a, a model of like this guy, he's an amazing husband. He's an amazing father. He's mm-hmm. an amazing just man of God. And like, he's a great businessman and like all these things. He's just like this, this great mentor to me. And it was mm-hmm. all started. I look back at that and I remember thinking like, you know what? Kurt took the time to step in and hand me my little eighth grade diploma. And that was literally in my brain when I was walking into the kitchen to be like, Hey, would you meet with me? And talk to me about even like my finances, like I want to sure, get that sure. together and just things like that. And he was like, yeah, let's do it. And then we've, I mean, he, he was one of the officiants at our wedding. He ended up being the one that did the, uh, oh, what did he do? He did the, the rings. I think he's what he did. Cool. So, um, That's cool. yeah, I mean, small seeds are planted and you may not even know it is my point. And the beautiful thing of your story right there is how Kurt was obedient to what God called him to do in that moment. Mm-hmm. He probably didn't even know why he exactly. was stepping up there to, to exactly. handle that thing. So good. Exactly. And that's how it works, though. So those obedient moments are not always ones we remember, but he just knew he was supposed to, and he did it. And it was that small little act that made all the difference for you. Yeah. Just like that pastor that uh, was preaching up there, he has no idea. He mm-hmm. planted that seed, and if he could see the tree that it is today, and right. I'm not saying that I'm like all holy or anything, but God has taken me on an amazing journey mm-hmm. A journey of, you know, awareness of who he is and mm-hmm. has worked it out in my life in a way that never, mm-hmm. never, ever did I dream. And not only has he worked it out in my life, he's allowed um, me to help my adult children who who I raise my children. You do whatever you want, whatever feels good to you about religion. Mm. And I don't know what that looks like, but I'm not going to help you along. So they were just like me. And now all but one out of four are saved and born again. Mm-hmm. And their children are saved and born again and go to Christian school. I mean, God did all that so good. from this one from guy. One seed. And it's a really good example of just an opportunity, especially as small group leaders, I'm thinking to really have 
faith that is sure of what it hopes for mm-hmm. and certain of what it does not see because we throw these seeds out and oftentimes we never get to see the seeds you know, get implanted into the ground and grow roots and grow up. We know we don't get to see that. And so we just, we're sure we're hope we're hoping for that, even though we can't see it, but I can't wait for in heaven someday to get to hear, you know, just like Kurt to see the, well, to see the crop (laughs) and then to see like, it's not just going to be the moments where I sat down and prayed the prayer with someone that those moments are beautiful. I'm not trying to, not trying to diminish them at all, but we can't let them be the only measurement of our success that we, we get to worship God to see these teeny tiny moments that gave people a taste of God's love. And, and it's never about us. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So it doesn't matter what we see. We just, the the commission that he's given us that's what we walk right so if he says nanine be small leader and do revelation like seriously lord that's <laughs> what you would have me do like okay but if that's what he says then that's what we do right. so it doesn't matter it's never about us so right. we can't think like you were saying that, well, I'm not really seeing the fruit happen out of my small group or whatever. I had an, an unbeliever there. They're still an unbelie- they are still unbelieving at 13 weeks after. Right. That's up to God. Right. Yeah. That's not up to us what God's going to do. We just do what he calls us, obedience, right. you know, in obedience, in submission, in humility, and he'll do the hard stuff for us. That's such a good point too, because so many of the other stages that we're going to talk about, you know, you identify someone's in that stage and then we'll have sort of a bundle of like marbles in our pockets type of thing to prompt that person to take the next step, to prompt them to go forward. But the guest stage is a little different because you don't really say to a guest, like you should ask questions about God, you know, like you, that's not necessarily, you can say something like that maybe, but really in the guest stage our prompting for them to become a seeker is literally just giving them tastes of God's love that they might not identify as that, but that God can use those tastes later. And that I think I wanted to transition just in sort of what it looks like once you've identified someone as a guest, or maybe you're just assuming everybody is a guest until you have contrary evidence. Uh, But what does it look like to give people a taste? We've talked some examples of that, but what are really practical things leaders could do to to give people those, those tastes of God. I like the light example. I feel like that, that was one of the initial steps of you sort of tasting God's love in a way that specifically intrigued you as an artist. I I think that if we're clear on, um, our own moment of salvation, Mm. that never changes. Number one, Mm. uh, and if it does changing, you might need to go rethink that mm-hmm. um, in the sense that each one of us can remember exactly when it happened and how it happened. And I think sharing that with a new um, or a, a guest, mm-hmm. I'm thinking that if someone would have came up to me and said, do you have any questions about God? I'd have said, oh, no. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't. And ran. <laughs> yeah. I would have ran. Right. I did. And I think we have to recognize when someone, we could ask them, do you have any questions? If not, hey, it's safe to say no. Yeah. But then that's been planted there. And we can say to them, if ever you do, text me. Because yeah. text is, 
an easy way. We don't have to have, Safer. you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, you know, so text me or give me a call or whatever. I'll meet you. We'll have coffee on a Sunday after church, whatever. Right. Um, thinking on, on that myself, I, it was a slow process for me. I didn't have anyone to dis, uh, to disciple me. And I didn't even know what that would have been or who would have done that or what that meant. I think just, again, I'm going to go back to prayer, allowing yeah, um, the spirit to kind of God to gu- to guide us now. Now, God, now, God, no, mm. no. Okay. Well, mm. let me know when and uh, be in prayer a lot. And then just those questions. I think we have to make it so that it's so safe. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is kind of a, f- a word I'm not crazy about, but sure. like so safe or welcoming kind of so, so that like, it's okay for them to yeah. say no. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, that's good. And that the love is still there. And I think that gets into the whole idea. We, we can offer people belonging, a sense of belonging before they meet any sort of condition that we have in mind for them. I think just the positive experience of being like, not necessarily I belong to this church family because I'm a child of God type of thing, but just I was accepted and and encouraged and welcomed into this group, even though I didn't meet the qualifications that maybe other experiences with God have, have made me feel like I got to meet that first. You is, know? is that what you mean when you say your conditions that you may have? Right, right, exactly. I mean, I mean, we don't, we, we're loving them unconditionally in that they don't need to, uh, they don't need to do X, Y, Z before we think of them as one of us, you know, Mm -hmm. type of thing. Mm -hmm. But I know that, um, Mm, we need to, to wrap it up as they, as there's another meeting that's happening in here soon. But I just really quickly wanted to say, um, one of the things that this curriculum we've been using called seven stages says about outreach, they call it the four E's of outreach, which is excellence, excitement, efficiency, and effective. And just this idea that for guests before they're ready to ask questions about God or to learn about what it means to follow Jesus, you, it's not that you're baiting them in a manipulative way, but you can offer them things that, that intrigue them in a genuine way to bridge, to bridge that, that opportunity to have those kinds of conversations. So just as we wrap up this, uh, this conversation about guests, I think appealing to people who love great coffee, you know, like offering great coffee from your home can be a really beautiful way to care for guests or getting excited about basketball or, or whatever it is. Not, I just want to make sure our leaders aren't underestimating how God can use those connections and those ways of caring for someone that might not feel as spiritual as, as giving them a Bible or something like that, but are still things that God can use in powerful ways. And sometimes just building the relationship with them on their turf. Right, right, exactly. I mean, yeah. It's an, I mean, right. Nanine, you could probably speak into this more. Gerilyn and I are both pastor's kids, so I never had the experience of walking into a church and kind of feeling uncomfortable or out of place. Right. But, you know, that's that's something that people experience. They don't want to, which it's, I, I, our building is sometimes something that's like, people go like, Oh, I didn't feel like this. It wasn't intimidating to walk in here. It didn't feel like a church, right? Which right. I don't know if it's a compliment <laughs> no or what. But you know, um, sometimes meeting them on their turf, like a basketball court, and just building the relationship there, and That's then good. by you build the relationship more and more and more. And so I've had a guy one time just be like, "Why are you so like okay? Why are you why are you happy? <laughs> like they, what, you never seem to be stressed out." And I'm like, "Well, I'm stressed out all the time, but." <laughs> 
I think I get where you're getting at. And honestly, it's the faith that I have, you know, and I'm yeah, starting to share with right. him and he's kind of like, oh, okay. And then he doesn't say anything else about it. And then later on, we have another little conversation and later on another little conversation and just kind of the fact that we're on a basketball court just made it easier, you know? I, I also think one thing that God put on my heart this year to do that I haven't done, um, <clears throat> I don't know how much of this you would want on this podcast, <laughs> but um, is that when one of my members wants me to meet them for lunch or coffee. I've always, I'm, I'm kind of more like this girl. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, I, you need, so she put a hand out is what you need. She made a hand gesture pushing away. It looks like I'm more of a push it away kind of person. I am a push it away. I've been, I'm working on that. And this, uh, season, the Lord put it in my heart. If they ask you, I want you to go. Mm So, um, I've gone out uh, to lunch with several different people. I normally wouldn't. I don't know, you know, where that goes, but it's always a God-based, and we're mm -hmm. talking about God, and they're sharing their testimony, and there That's we cool. have it. That's so good. That's awesome. so good. Well, thank you so much, mm -hmm. Nanine. Am I saying, I just had a moment, am I saying your name correctly? Perfectly. I am. Okay, good, good. Yeah. I was like, it's I feel like Narnine. sometimes. <laughs> Narnia? No, it's Nadine. <laughs> <laughs> we're so glad that you joined us. It was awesome to have you today. And, thanks and just so you know, you. we're going to be doing this uh, for the next seven weeks. You can find this on all of the normal feeds, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You can look at it on the uh, Spring Hills app as well. But we are starting a playlist on YouTube, so you'll be able to see all of these episodes just one after the other instead of mixed within some other episodes on the, the podcast. So, Nanine, how was it your first, uh, your your debut on the podcast? <laughs> awesome. Awesome. How was Gerilyn as a host? It was her, it was her was debut beautiful. as a host, too. That's right. That's right. Thank you. Thank she, you. She was beautiful. You, you were great, too. So, am I fired? <laughs> No, we'll no, keep no. you. All right. I'm, I'm getting pushed to producer. All right. Well, uh, thank you both for being here and uh, and starting to share this new series. I'm excited for it to see where it goes next. And what do, who do we have next week coming in to talk? Uh, next week we have Doug. Doug in. is yeah. going to come in yeah. and uh, do step two, stage two. That's right. Um, yeah, which seekers. is the, the Seekers. So, which That's we kind of right. dipped into a little bit. But yeah. um, Doug is going to be great to have on. It'll be his debut as well. So, we got another first timer. All right. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Thanks.